Welcome to Epic, everyone. Glad that you are here with us today as we wrap up our series entitled Not a Fan. So we've been asking this same question each week of ourselves all throughout this series, and it's been this. Are we followers of Jesus or are we just fans? And if you've been with us on this journey so far, we've learned that Jesus isn't interested in fans. He didn't leave the splendor of heaven to come to earth to get a fan club. Jesus came here for followers, people who would follow him into a world that desperately needs Jesus' love. So in this series, we've seen that true followers of Jesus do this thing called repentance, that that we repent of our sins. There's two parts to repentance. There's this first part where we say, God, I repent of all of my sins. I give my heart to you, and I turn from that stuff, and I turn to you for all of eternity. And then there's a second part to repentance where we say, each time we mess up, we come back to God, we say, God, I've messed up again. I repent of these sins in this moment, and I turn from those things, and I turn to you. And then true followers of Jesus obey. If you think about it, we can't really call ourselves followers of Jesus if we're not doing the stuff that Jesus asks us to do. So if you kind of look in your life, maybe examine yourself, examine your own life, and if you see like, hey, there's this big thing that Jesus has asked me to do, and I'm not doing it, you really got to ask yourself, are you just a fan, or are you a follower of Jesus? We've seen in this series that following Jesus is about dying. It's about dying to ourselves, our dreams, our rights, the things that we want, and living every day for God. Following Jesus is an everyday choice. It's an everyday decision when we get up out of bed that day, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to shoulder my cross, and I'm going to be like Jesus in every situation I come across in that day. Now, the reality of this series is that we've only scratched the surface on what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, we could study this stuff for a year or more. I mean, there's so much to what it means for us to really follow Jesus. True followers of Jesus are called to love God and love people. I mean, to, to love God with all of our heart, all of our, our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. I mean, we're to give everything that we have towards following God and loving him with passion and purpose. And he wants us to love other people. We're called to forgive those who hurt us. We're called to treat everyone with dignity and respect. We're called to help those in need. We're called to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. And when we hurt someone else, God asks us to do everything we can to make it right. True followers of Jesus die to their own rights. They put the needs of others first. True followers of Jesus reach out to the marginalized. They include people on the fringe. They help other people grow to be like Jesus. And everywhere they go, they live a life that tells people Jesus is real. And they they tell people about Jesus with their life and their words. So again, we've only scratched the surface. Now, today we're going to wrap up by looking at one prominent characteristic that should be evident in all Christ followers' lives. So if you're a follower of Jesus, 
then this thing that we're talking about today should be very evident in your life. People should be able to look at you and say, oh yeah, that's there. That's a part of their life. They must be a follower of Jesus. So if you would, grab a Bible and turn over to John chapter 13 with me. John 13. And if you need a Bible, we have Bibles, as always, at the back of each seating section. John chapter 13. In our paperback Bibles, it's found on page 823. And later in the service, we are going to celebrate communion together. And then I am going to invite you to become a follower of Jesus. And that might be a first time thing for you, or it might be something that you've done before and you're going to recommit your life to following Jesus. So John chapter 13. Now, on many occasions, Jesus would gather his disciples together and he would tell them, listen, I'm going to leave. I'm actually going to die. I'm going to be arrested for stuff I didn't do. I'm going to be put to death by the religious leaders, and I'm not going to be around much longer. And that always threw his disciples into confusion. Always they were confused. Like, Jesus, you are here to build a momentum. You are here to bring your kingdom, and we want to be a part of that. So what in the world are you talking about that you're going to die and leave? I mean, that doesn't compute. That doesn't make sense. Why would you come in order to die? So they didn't get that. So Jesus regularly, he'd say, listen, gang, I'm going to die. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be put to death. And so we'll see that in John chapter 13. Jesus is talking about he's about to leave. He's about to go away. And then in verse 34, Jesus says, so I'm going to give you a new commandment. So on top of the 10 commandments that you already follow, on top of the many other commandments that you obey on a regular basis, I'm going to give you a new commandment. And this new commandment is going to be the most important thing you'll ever do with your life. The most important thing. So listen closely. So I'm sure Jesus' disciples kind of leaned in closely. A few of them whipped out their smartphones. They were ready to, you know, they hit the record button, maybe mini pads, you know. I mean, we got to capture what Jesus is about to say. So with three simple words, Jesus said, here it is. Here's my new commandment. To love each other. That's it, love each other. Now, I have grown up around the church, and I've read that for years, and I'll just be honest with you. When, when I have read that, when I come across that passage or passages like that, my first response is, is that it? I mean, is that all? Like, to love other people? I mean, it, it doesn't sound that difficult, first part of that. Like, that doesn't sound that hard. You know, as followers of Jesus, aren't we supposed to like memorize half of the Bible or something or, or maybe like fight against the evils of human trafficking in the world? I mean, wouldn't that be something heroic? But like love people? I mean, I'm a guy. That doesn't sound very masculine. That's not something that I really want to do is go around loving people. And how do you do that anyway? I mean, how do you, do you, do you go about loving our world? How do you love other people? I mean, that's just, you know, you know I love, love hot dogs. I love Reese's and, you know, and I love my wife. Like, how do you put all those things together to love someone else? I mean, how do you do that, Jesus? So Jesus continued and he says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. 
So Jesus says, listen, I've modeled it for you. Like, I, I've shown you what it means. And he's, it, well, as he was talking with his disciples in that moment, I'm about to show you in a very profound way that loving other people can be the most hardest thing that you will ever do with your life. The most demanding thing that will ever be asked of you is to love other people. See, it was Jesus' love that prompted him to step out of heaven to come to earth. It was his love that generated him to come here for us. It was his love that prompted him to talk to a Samaritan prostitute that no one wanted to talk to, not even other Samaritans. They didn't want to talk to her. But Jesus spoke to her and demonstrated God's love to her. It was Jesus' love that prompted him to stop an angry religious mob from stoning, putting to death a woman that was caught in adultery. It was Jesus' love that caused him to stop that and to bring value into her life. Jesus' love prompted him to kneel down and wash his disciples' feet when none of them would do it. They're all looking around going, I'm not washing your feet. And Jesus said, I'll wash your feet. I'll I'll, I'll do it. Jesus' love prompted him to die a horrific death on a cross so that you and I could live. It cost him everything. Love cost him his life. And then the most famous, probably Bible verse ever, John 3.16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So it was Jesus' love that prompted him to walk to a cross knowing that he would die so that we could live, so that we could be restored in a right relationship with God for all of eternity. And so Jesus, in turn, looks to his disciples, looks to us as followers of his and says, like, I want you to love the world, the way that I have loved you. I want you to do the same thing for the world that I have done for you. So if you look at your life, do you see that kind of love? Do you love people the way that Jesus loved people? Do you love the people that Jesus loved? You know, as you read through the Gospels, first four books of the New Testament part of the Bible, it's fascinating to see that Jesus did not spend large amounts of time with the religious leaders of the day. You would have thought as he came to earth, that's probably the group he would have spent most of his time with, but he didn't. He spent most of his time with what is called the notorious sinners, and that drove the religious people crazy. I mean, Jesus would spend time with those people, large amounts of time with those people. And you know who those people are. They're the people that you don't want to hang out with. They're the people that you don't have any time for. The people that you think have real problems. Or maybe the people of that other political party, right? Or those people that you think are living in sin. It's the people that we judge by the way we look at them, and we judge people in a moment. We see people, at a glance, we've made a judgment of what they're all about, what their life is, is all about. We judge people by the way we treat them. You know, it's the people that we're glad we're nothing like. You know, we may secretly say, boy, I'm glad I'm not like that person. They got real problems. It's the people that we may have pity on, but we don't have compassion for. It's the people that we would not spend any of our free time with 
because they are those people. And the reality is, Jesus spent most of his time with those people. As Jesus said, listen, I came for the the sick. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the people that have problems. So that's who Jesus hung out with. And he asks us to love everyone the same way that Jesus loved those people. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus pushes this whole love concept to a new level of discomfort for all of us. It says in verse 43, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you're to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, I would say that most of us have an enemy of some sort, somewhere, maybe it's that, that jerk at work or you know, your boss or you know, somebody at school that really drives you crazy. Maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood. Maybe you've got a neighbor that you're really not all that fond of. Or maybe even it's someone in your family that you would say, you know what, like, we're not on the best of terms. Well, God says, listen, I want you to love them, not just tolerate them but to genuinely love them. You know, that pushes it beyond the normal boundaries for us because usually Christ followers are pretty good at the tolerance thing. We tolerate a lot of people and we put a little sticker on it that says, you know, that, I, that's kind of loving because I'm tolerating you and your irritating behavior. But Jesus didn't tolerate us. He genuinely loved us. He came with genuine compassion and died on a cross for us because of that love. And so he says, listen, if you're going to be one of my followers, I want you to do the same thing. Genuinely love people. Genuinely love others. Turn your love into action, something that can be seen and felt by others. So do you love people, even your enemies, with that kind of love? Back in John 13, 35, Jesus followed up his statement, this new commandment, by saying, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's a major statement that Jesus was making there. Your love for each other will prove to the world that you're one of my followers. He didn't say your knowledge of the Bible would prove to the world. The Bible knowledge is significant. We've all, we all have to be lifelong students of the Bible. It contains absolute truth for us to learn. But Jesus didn't tell his disciples to study more. He told them to love more. He didn't say your ability to win an argument will prove something to the world or your political opinions will prove anything to the world. He didn't say your judgment over the world's sins would prove anything. He said your love for people, your genuine love for people would prove that you are my followers. And then in John 17, Jesus took it a step further and said, listen, the reality is your love for each other will not only prove to the world that you are my disciples, but it will prove to the world that I was sent from heaven. 
that I came down from God the Father. That, that's heavy. I don't know if you feel the weight of that, but as people look at us in, in the world, as they watch us live at work, at school, wherever we go, they are determining whether God is real by what they see in us, whether we are loving people or not. And if we're not, there are people that decide there must not be a God because I don't see him shining through your life. I mean, that's pretty heavy. That has huge implications for all of eternity. The way we choose our lives, the way we choose to live may determine whether someone else spends forever in heaven or forever apart from God. That's a big deal. So how are you doing at loving people? How are you doing at loving that irritating guy at work? You know that guy you like to avoid when he comes around the corner and you see him like, oh, don't make eye contact, just keep going. Like, are you reaching out to him to demonstrate love or are you avoiding him at all costs? What about that person that maybe at school or somewhere in your life that's kind of of a threat to you? And when something good happens to them, do you celebrate with them or are you secretly praying for their failure so you can feel a little bit better about yourself? How about that strange kid at school, that kid that no one sits by? Nobody wants to talk to them. They just want to make fun of them. Do you join in the crowd or are you reaching out to demonstrate Christ's love to them? What about your parents? You know, loving parents can be a, a challenge. Ask any one of my four kids. They'll admit it. It can be a challenge to, to love your parents. But if you're living at home, are, are you doing the stuff that your, your mom or your dad are asking you to do? Jesus said, those who love me, they're the people who do what I ask. So, like, doing what your parents ask is a huge way to demonstrate love to them. And parents, what about you? How are you doing at loving your kids? How are you doing at modeling for them what it means to walk in a close relationship with God? Or are you saying, you know what? That's just kind of on your own. You got to make your own decisions about that. I hear way too many parents say that. And every time I hear it, it turns my stomach. I'm going I'm to hand off the most important thing for all of eternity to this young kid and say, it's up to you. Whatever you decide about your relationship with God, you figure out. I'm like, there's no way. God's asked us to teach our kids, to train them up, and to model for them how to live in a close relationship with God. So don't hand that off to your kids. And when they're grown and gone, it's their decision. But when they're there in your home, you have a responsibility to love them, to show them. We have a responsibility to discipline our kids, like to like put boundaries down and say, you know, this is okay, this is not okay. Do you love your kids enough to discipline them? If you're married, how are you doing at loving your spouse? You know that person like you stood beside and you said before God, like, this is who I choose. How are you doing at loving them? Like whether you've been married a year or 50 years, how are you doing? Are you still sacrificially choosing them every day? Or are you like trying to figure out how in the world you can get out of this thing that you committed your life to? How about that neighbor that voted for that other political party? You know, like when you drove past, you saw those signs and you wanted to go at night, take those signs out. 
Like, are you demonstrating love to that person? Or are you like, you know what, I have no time for that person. I mean, we have such different political views. I have no time. They're deciding whether Jesus is real by what they see in you. What about that person that you think is living in sin? That person that you're looking at going, you know, I mean, I know what you're doing. I know your life. I've, like, judged you already. Are you loving them? Are you reaching out to demonstrate Christ's love that Jesus died so they can live and maybe be free of some prison that they're in? Are you loving them or are you judging them? True followers of Jesus love people. They love all people, not just certain people, but they love everybody. So is love in action a prominent characteristic of your life? So if we were to gather some of your friends together, maybe some of your coworkers or somebody that sees you on a regular basis, if we were to ask them to describe you, would they use terms that would describe love and care and concern? Would, would they describe you that way? Or what would they say? Would they say something else about how you live your life? It's one of the most difficult things that we can do is to love other people. It requires the most out of us. It, might even require that we die to ourselves like Jesus did, to live for him and to live for other people. But when we love people, we are most like Jesus. It's amazing. When you reach out to love someone else, someone who's not like you, someone who's different than you, you are most like Jesus. So let me ask the same question again that we've been asking. Are you a follower of Jesus? Or are you just a fan of Jesus? Are you willing to turn from the stuff that hurts God? Are you willing to turn from the stuff that hurts other people? Are you willing to die to yourself and to allow Jesus to live through you? Are you willing to obey? Stuff that Jesus asks you to do, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to pick up your cross every day and follow Jesus and like be Jesus to a world that desperately needs him? Are you willing to love Jesus so much that that love overflows in all of your relationships everywhere in your life? Now, I hope this series that we've been in has been a great one for examining or re-examining what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I hope it's been helpful on your journey. I know it's been very helpful to me. There have been some spots on, on this journey I've been saying, God, let's just get this series over because I'm tired of you like whacking me upside of the head with the two by four. There have been moments God has said, listen, Trent, like in this area, you've been a fan of mine. Like you're cheering me on going, yeah, go Jesus, go. But you've chosen not to follow me in that area. And I, and I don't want you to be a fan. I want you to follow me. So this has been a tough series on me as I grow in my relationship with God. I hope it's been beneficial in your relationship. And I hope that today we're, we'll all commit or recommit to being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, there might be a few people here today who have never made that decision, have never publicly said, you know what, I, I want to be a, a full-time, a, a fully devoted follower. I don't want to be a fan. I, I want to be a, a true follower of Jesus. If that's you, in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a public declaration of that. And I'm going to ask you to do something that's, that's kind of weird, and it may feel awkward, and it most likely it'll feel a little bit scary once I say it. If this is you, your heart's going to start pumping. But I'm going to ask you to stand. Not right now, 
But in a moment, if you have never put Jesus first in your life, if you've never become a follower of his, and you would like to do so today, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And it just might be you and me. And if it's you and me, that'd be great. It might just be me. I might just be the only one up here standing. And that'll be fine as well. But if you've never done that, and if you would like to today, listen to what Romans 10.9 says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you can become a follower of Jesus today by believing that Jesus is God in the flesh and that he died so you can live. I mean, you can actually become one of his followers. You can, can join the family of God through that declaration in your heart. Now, each time I do something like this, I feel like I have to give a, a quick disclaimer. Standing doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Sitting doesn't make you an enemy uh, of Jesus. Uh, it's what happens in your heart. It's the decision that you make of who God is, and then it's how you choose to live your life. That determines whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. So if you stand, great. If you don't stand, great. But standing often helps people. It often helps people when they feel the, the muscles in their legs clenching and they stand up. It's a declaration. It's a moment where we stand before God and say, God, I'm a follower of yours. I'm declaring today that I will follow you. Now, this is for first time, folks. So if you've done this before in your life, if, if you're already a Christ follower, there's no need to stand in, the moment, in this moment. We've got another thing that's gonna happen here in just a moment for you to recommit you to being a follower of Jesus. So here we go. If you would like to be a first time follower of Jesus today, I'm gonna invite you to just stand with me. Awesome, very cool. Anybody else? Very cool. So um, keep standing for just a moment, if you would. Unless, let's see, I, I, let me count. I think I had four or five. There are four, four that I saw. Um, let me just talk to you for just a moment. All right, that took some courage to do that. I mean, I don't, I don't know how long you've been coming or not, but standing in a room like this with a bunch of people sitting down is kind of a weird thing. But it's going to take courage just like that to continue to follow Jesus and become the person that Jesus wants you to become. So uh, I applaud you. Would you thank these folks again for having that courage? So you can go ahead and be seated. And I just want to give you a little bit of information. I encourage you to go to our website at theepicchurch.com. There's some great resources there that can help you grow in this new relationship. And thank you for standing today to be a, a new follower of Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to take communion together. And I thought communion would just be a great way for us to wrap up this series and kind of uh, be reminded of God's commitment to us and be reminded of our commitment to him. Now, if you're new to Epic, uh, here at Epic, communion is open to anybody uh, who has put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So whether you've done that today or if you've done that before in your life, communion is for you. Whether you call this your church home or not, I encourage you to partake of communion. So in a moment, I'm gonna pray and then you're gonna be free to get up and move to one of these tables. We have two tables up front. We have two tables in the back. 
And after I read a passage out of the Bible and then I pray, you're free to get up and you're free to come to these tables. And what you'll find at uh, these tables, you'll find a little cup of juice and then you'll find some uh, little pieces of bread. And what I encourage you to do is, is pick up a piece of bread and pick up a cup of juice. And I encourage you to step to one side and pause for a moment. And I encourage you to, to pray. Thank God for sending Jesus so you can have eternal life. And I encourage you to commit your life to him or recommit your life to him and say, Jesus, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm in this. I'm a follower of yours. I will do what you ask me to do. I will go where you ask me to go. I will become the person that you want me to become. So just have a moment of prayer and then you can go ahead and sit back down. Our worship team will be up here. Now there's something else that you're gonna find at the tables. You're gonna find a wristband, a black wristband like the one I'm wearing right here and it says not a fan on it. I've been wearing this to be a fan throughout this series to remind me on a regular basis that God has has called me not to be a fan, but to be a follower. So I'll be out in life doing whatever, and then I'll get to a spot where I've got a challenge in my life, and I'll look down at this thing, and God will ask me again, hey, Trent, like, you're going to be a fan of mine, or are you going to be a follower? Are you going to do the hard stuff that I've asked you to do? So this has been a great reminder to me of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. So I encourage you, as you come by the table, um, grab one of those and uh, either slip that on your wrist, slip it in your pocket, and maybe keep it as a reminder to you of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, starting in verse 23, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So let's pray together. God, I thank you for that incredible love that you have for us. God the Father, a love that would send your greatest relationship, the relationship with Jesus, your most prized possession, a love so strong it would send Jesus to earth to die for a group of people who really didn't want to follow you, and that's us. Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ, you died for us. So your love for us is immense. It's great. It's, it's something that costs you everything. And as your followers, you ask us to, in turn, pour out that kind of love for a world in need, to not just certain people, but to all people. Everyone we interact with is worthy of the same kind of love. And so, Lord, we are your ambassadors. If we're your followers, we're the ones who are supposed to demonstrate your love. We're the ones that are supposed to love 
each other and love the world so that the world will know that you came from heaven and so that the world will know we are genuine followers of yours. So I pray for all of us today as we have this moment of, of communion and declaration or redeclaration in our own lives. Lord, that we will commit today that whether we have a year left in our lives or 60 years left in our lives, that every day we will choose to follow you. We will not be fans of yours. We won't just cheer for you on the sidelines, but we will go to the places that you call us to go. We will do the stuff that you call us to do. We will become the people that you've called us to become. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray all this. Amen. You are now free to take communion. I know this, is, uh, this has kind of been a tough series to take in. Um, you know, as, uh, as we are going to church and, uh, and living, I'm constantly asking God, why? Why, why are you utilizing me? Um, you know what I've done. You know what I've been through, what I'm going through now. And he's constantly reminding me, I want you. I want you to follow me, Cody. And it's, uh, have you ever seen in the movies that picture up on the wall of like the ancestor that the eyes are always moving? No matter where you go, I feel like that's Trent as I'm out there. You know, I'll move over here and he's staring at me, talking to me. And it's, it's how it consistently is. God wants us. He doesn't want us to be on the back of the field. He wants us to be on the front line. And, uh, and that's what he wants. He wants us to go out there and reach others so we can have what we have here. Um, but my name's Cody. I am the Surge Youth Leader here at Epic, which is our middle and high school youth ministry. And last night we had an event which we played the Minute to Win It style games. And it was intense. We had a pickle eating contest. We had Trent with stuff on his nose, dipping his face down into a bucket and getting cotton balls and taking it into another one. It was intense. But if you're not plugged in, if you're in high school or middle school and you're not plugged into Surge yet, we have a Facebook page, which is Epic Surge. You can jump on there and we communicate all of our events we have. Um, and if you're not on Facebook and you continued your fast, you can email me at Cody at theepicchurch.com and we'll touch base with you and communicate with you that way. Um, but next weekend, we do have a mission also, which is down at the Rainbow Park in Ormond Beach. I know a lot of you are familiar with that, the huge slides they have and uh, all the swings and everything for the kids, not us. But um, we are helping refurbish that. So if you'd like to plug in with that, it's on Epic Search Facebook page or message me at Cody at theepicchurch.com. We'd love for you to plug in that way. Um, and if you've, uh, if you've signed up for Starting Point and Next Step and you have not get, gotten your conversation guides yet, they have them at the Connection Center in the back corner over there. Um, they have all the information you need. You can stop by there after service and pick that up uh, to move forward. And also, next to the Connection Center, you'll see a little basket. It's a donation basket. Um, it's for a local food pantry that we partner with to help, uh, to help others in need out in the community. So we, uh, we take old used clothes. We take food, um, necessities throughout uh, the week that we utilize. So if you'd like to partner with that and give a donation, we'd love for you to do that. If you go to Publix, get the buy one, get one free, throw one to them, keep one, utilize it, that would help us out extremely to help out our community. And then next week, we're starting a new series um, on what the Bible teaches us about judging others. And there's some crazy twists in this, so you definitely want to join us next week for that. Um, and those will probably be the eyes glaring that Trent has as you're going, so you can move as many times as you want. I'll probably be testing that out next week also. 
Um, and then with giving, uh, God asks us to give of our time, our talents, and our resources. And if you'd like to partner with us to reach out to the community, to reach out to families, and invest into relationships, we'd love for you to do that. There's two ways you can give. You can give on theepicchurch.com um, under the giving tab, or you can give in the boxes right behind the rows where you're sitting. Um, if you'd like to do that, if you call Epic your home. And also, if this is your first time here, or if you've only been here a few times and you'd like to know what the heartbeat of Epic is, back at the Connection Center, they have a packet for you. Uh, you can grab a packet, take it with you, tell you a little about what we do here at Epic. But thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week. Enjoy your week, and on your way out, say hi to somebody you don't know or don't know well. Have a great Sunday.